from Andres Bergen, the acclaimed creator of the popular graphic novel Bullet Gal, comes the retelling of the classic Tristan and Isolde. Tristan Holt turns things on its head and places our heroes in a 70s pulp world. Queenie rules with an iron fist, and when two of her best men are killed, it's up to her niece Trista to find out what happened. Tristan Holt by Andres Bergen. Available online at If Comics. That's if question mark C-O-M-M-I-X. Issues also available at dollardownloads.com. You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Welcome to another episode of Candair, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jeff Holcomb. And joining us today, this is a Candair first, I think. Uh, we Instead of having just either the writer or the artist on the show, we're having pretty much the whole team from mm-hmm. the comic book on. Uh, from the Threat reboot, which is currently running on Kickstarter until September 26th, joining us we have writers Mark Schmidt and Vince Tudor. Artist Jose Fernandez and colorist William Anderson. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having. Thanks for having us. That's awesome. So many voices. <laughs> <laughs> we got a good show for you today. Uh, first, with our uh, retro roundtable, uh, with Star Wars being all the big thing this past Friday. What was it? Force Friday. Force Friday. Yeah, all the uh, new merchandise was released. So why not uh, get nostalgic and talk about all the Star Wars merchandise that's come out beforehand? Uh, then we're going to do our comic. I guess we're calling it now the the dump bin, comic dump bin. And then we'll turn our full attention over to the guys and talk about the threat reboot. Let's get started Oops. with this week's retro roundtable. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, Star Wars merchandise. Uh, first, did are, did any of you guys go out on Friday trying to find any of the new merchandise? I did not. Well, I stay away from that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Same here. Well, the problem for for us, Mark, I, and Jose was we were at a con, <laughs> so oh, we didn't yeah. get away to be able to go do that. Um, we've been we worked the entire weekend. Oh, we saw uh, everybody posting about it, though. <laughs> sure did. Um, See, they're doing it. Last things. night, I was up until about three o'clock talking with some friends about it who are fanatics, and I, I kind of quit after um, the fiasco that was Power of the Force, and so I've just been picking up pieces here and there. But I really do like the black line. Oh yeah. And so I'm trying to pick those up the six inch. Yeah, those are um, nice. I'm, my concern is is that now with the the rebel and then the uh, rising of the force is that they're going to stop some of the really great productions that they were running for the original series and they're all going to concentrate on the new stuff. And yeah, I didn't think I, about I, that. Mm-mm. I'm hoping that they uh, at least will keep one or two figures in the line of the classic figures. Uh, the one I'm really anxious to get, and we're probably not going to see for a little while, at least until the movie's out or about to be out, is the uh, Master Luke Skywalker, the old The Luke. old Luke's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I hope they do a, a Black Series figure of that. I'm sure they will. That'll be probably a tough one to find, though. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I learned my lesson this time around, didn't <laughs> I? <laughs> you know, I usually don't play into that stuff myself. Like, mm-hmm. the day before, you had told me Star Wars uh, figures are coming out tomorrow. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll swing by the store on the way to work the next day and uh, pick something up. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Shelves were picked clean. And then because the fact they were picked clean, I all of a sudden had to have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went driving around forever, but finally found one. I, I say, want the little ball robot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that that's thing is I, cool. I want that so bad, but I can't uh, bring myself to drop that much money on it. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Let's see. <laughs> How much was he? $150. Wow. He's only like, what, three, four inches tall? He's just Something small. Like yeah. But he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play with him. <laughs> oh, man. So, let's, I mean, look back at some of the past Star Wars merchandise. Obviously, there are the figurines. I, I was never, uh, I wasn't old enough to get in on the original line. You had some, didn't you? I mostly had from episode, well, yeah, episode four, the first movie. I oh, had yeah. A handful. I never really got a lot of them. I know my parents said that Darth Vader was really, really hard to find. It took them a while before they could finally find it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh Part of the like the what is it the myth of behind the Star Wars figures yeah. or something the the legend maybe <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but any of you guys did you uh, have any of this stuff when you were younger I had some my favorite one I think was the I think you had to send off for the Emperor at one point yeah um, you, you and had I to actually get, like, was able to get him you had to get UPC codes like codes, from six yeah. different characters and mail them in because I yeah. did that and. Sent it off, and then we moved not too long before because it was like oh. the four to six week delivery. So I never did get them. Oh, Dang! You imagine the little kid you made happy that moved into that yes. house, though. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> wow. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to date myself. I actually was there uh, when Star Wars first came out. I think I saw it 22 times that summer. Oh and wow! So as soon as the toy line came out, I was like at every toy store I could find to to get them. I was uh, I missed out on the uh, display stand that you could send. Uh, remember oh, yeah. at Christmas when everybody could fill in that, you'd get a display stand for it for when the figures actually came out. You could put them on. I missed all of that, but I did do a lot of the mail-in. So I got like the Han and Luke and the Stormtrooper, the original and the Stormtrooper outfit where you could take the helmets. I had the Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda in the spirit form. Oh wow. What? Uh, the the canteen, the original cantina band guy that you could get. Wow! So I am kind of a, a fanatic, but um, I got as I got older and bills, I understood what bills meant. I, I had to learn how to pick and choose <laughs> what I was going to get. Yeah, real life steps in. Yeah, it's yep. it stinks. And you guys ever have the uh, the Chewbacca bandolier where you'd snap Not the, the fingers band, in the, the walker holder? Yeah, uh, yeah. That thing was I actually cool. have. A Death Star, the Death Star, the original one that I gave to uh, a friend of mine that he kept for years and then he gave it to his son. And so every now and then he shows pictures uh, of his son still playing with that. And I I keep trying to go go over. He lives in New York now and I want to go over and try to, hey, hey, look at this. (laughs) I'll trade you so I can get it back. (laughs) This is way cooler than that old thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't start getting any of the figures till much later. I think first Star Wars merch I bought was in the 90s when they uh, started pumping the merchandise The new out. edition ones? Uh, it was a little bit before then. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, they started pumping a lot of uh, merchandise into the stores. I remember the Micro Machines, uh, like Millennium Falcon, X-Wing, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. was a lot of fun growing up. How about you, Jeff? Hmm. 
I'm trying to fish back as far as I can go. I know I had stuff, but I don't remember what. <laughs> All I can remember is like uh, I found my little belt buckle when I was a child. A Star Wars belt buckle? <laughs> yeah, the droids. Oh, wow, from the droids cartoon? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it was God. really crazy. Boy. <laughs> I just came across it. I was like, wow. I didn't yeah, remember it's, having it's this. It's a very obscure kind of thing to have. If, man, but do, you yeah, guys, I can't uh, do you guys remember the cereal boxes that were all Star Wars? And on the back of the cereal box was like a TIE fighter that you could build by cutting it out and folding it. Oh, and wow. you could get, you I could don't do, remember that. There was the X-Wing that you could do. And no. I remember cutting those out and making. I hated the cereal. <laughs> yeah. And so then a buddy of mine had a camera, so we built um, this long-running uh, pieces of cardboard where we drew the Death Star, and um, had the, the different pieces you could put in so that we could actually do the the fight through the trench. <laughs> Oh, no and we were doing so many shots of it. And then when we got to the end, we were trying to shoot little, you get take a piece of uh, foil and roll it in a ball, and we were trying to catch it on screen, hitting the hole to, to do the simulation of going in. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be so much fun. Do you still have that? Oh, no, I don't. I, I have the Micro Machine stuff. The video, uh, it was on VHS, and when I had some water damage, and I lost tons of oh. VHS stuff that we converted it over. My buddy'd had it for a long time. Converted over, gave me a VHS copy, and it because we did other things. We did the where you'd sit down, move, move an inch, stand up, move, sit down, move an inch, where you look like you were driving on your butt down the street. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> we all thought. And then one of the things we tried to do with some of the action figures was move them and try to do stop animation. It was you know very crude, but it was fun. We were we were just doing stop animation before yeah. we got on here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could see that. It'd be awesome to see yeah. a video. Well, aside from the uh, action figures, there's been a lot of cool stuff come out. Uh, Legos have really made their mark on Star Wars oh, yeah. and vice versa. I mean, you, you're a big uh, connoisseur of those mm-hmm. things. Right? Yeah. yeah, since I got one for my birthday, and all of a sudden I mm-hmm. can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> Legos are fun. Except Legos for the, fun. the mini versions of the stuff. Those are kind of retarded. It's like a little mini, mini Millennium Falcon. Like the characters, like the, the little Lego man sits out of the top of the, the ship. Yeah, they're just little <laughs> micro mini ones. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> uh, do you guys remember in, I think it was 99, 2000 somewhere. I don't know if Phantom Menace was out or news had just surfaced about it coming out, but uh, they put out a Yoda Furby. I got it. Did you really? I, I still have it, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I hate Furby. Yeah. Oh. It freaks me out. I do too, but when that thing came out, it was it was big because, I mean, it wasn't just giving you mindless j- uh, jabber like the stupid Furbies were. Yeah. It was actually, I think it came with like a little lightsaber yep. and it would train you in the ways of the Force. Yeah, you trained you. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It was a tiger toy, if I'm not mistaken. And he had the little dots on his chest and he would watch you as you did it. And if you went too low, he'll know what you're doing. He's like, no, no, you need to raise it higher. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I saw they had something like that on the shelf, like there's, a new version yeah, of it yep. out uh, with the Force Awakens stuff. But there's also a uh, what they're calling a Furbaka out there now, which looks like a traditional Furby, like the little 
bird. I don't know what the hell that thing's supposed to be. Some bird with bird, cat ears yeah. or whatever. But uh, <laughs> this one is just with, you know, Chewie's hair and his uh, bandolier. That's got to look like Cousin It, pretty much. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. I wasn't. Wow, they yeah, can I've make never. that, too. Yeah. I mean, you don't really need to say much. <laughs> I just remember uh, at the time when that Yoda came out thinking, though, how cool, you know, is a Yoda you can interact with. But it was so simplistic and basic. And now seeing this BB-8 droid that you can play with and how you can have this thing patrol the room and stuff for you, it's like, wow, <laughs> we've come a long way in a short time. Even that using a tablet to watch yeah. it and give video messages. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That part was real cool, wasn't it? Let's see uh, little Yoda Furby do that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Look at disbelief, Jeff. Well, I mean, 150. You better read my tablet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good point. Did you, uh, what was it, last year or the year before, did you see that Hot Wheel uh, Vader card that they came out with? No. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Where his, wait, his, like, the triangle of his mouth was kind of like the grill of the car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did see that. I love the display that they put it in. It was basically his lightsaber, and you open it up, and then when you turn it on, it shoots out red in the inside of the lightsaber, and you see the car sitting right there in the center. No, oh, it's hmm. neat. I would have totally bought my. I don't know how much it was, though. I don't know. God. Never been a big Hot Wheels fan, yeah. but uh, something like that I'd probably pick up. <laughs> yeah, I, one th- cool thing I do have that I love is the Force Effects lightsaber. Love that thing. I mean, it's it's something that's in the box 95% of the time, but <laughs> occasionally after watching a movie, you want to get it out, turn it on, wave it around a little bit. Oh, okay, I feel good. Get the camera out, stand there, and <clears throat> pretend like you're <laughs> just, Darth Maul. <laughs> just humming the Imperial Mars. <laughs> we got a new Star Wars kid, folks. Oh, Lord, no, I'm not getting that carried away with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're making a Kylo Ren Force Specs lightsaber now. $200 it's supposed to be. I want to see. Doesn't, I got to ask, doesn't that look like the most dangerous lightsaber ever created? I yeah. know. You, you you cut your hand off at the wrist, <laughs> surely, you know, within the single battle. It's like in the trailer, he's holding it so far away from him behind him because I'm not right. going to get myself cut on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I was hearing someone say there's a very uh, particular reason it's like that. And that oh, thank goodness. We'll catch the reason I'm in sure. the movie, but uh, other than just being flashy, you know, something new. Like when Mace Windu's purple saber came out. <laughs> the oh. only purple one. Yeah, okay, it's, it's purple. Yeah. I like, again, Count Dooku's was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys watch Rebels, the the new thing yes. on XD? Love that show. Um, what is the young kid's name for? It's escaping me right now. I love the lightsaber he created for himself, which is basically a gun blade. Yeah, Ezra. What? Ezra. Yeah, yeah he yeah. built his. He ended up going to a temple and finding his crystal and built himself a lightsaber that it's like a handle and then it's got a bracket around the front. That it's a gun, so the the sword comes out of the front and it's a gun in the front. So it comes blade. like straight out of the gun barrel. No, the sword well, comes no, out he, just normal. He shoot, yeah, he can so use got. it as a blade and shoot you at the same time. Holy. Yeah. What? Smart. Yep. That's smart. Even Kanan, he puts his together every time he gets to use it. Yeah, i got to see that. I haven't seen that. I've only seen a few episodes of that. I've just now started catching up on the clones, or uh, uh, Clone War, excuse me. That's way better than a regular gun blade. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, y'all are talking about Star Wars. I'm, I'm looking up at my Star Wars posters on the wall, and then my ex, my lightsaber. I was going to grab it and 
do the sound effect. And I was like, man, that's oh. annoying. <laughs> Which one do you have? I had the Darth Vader and I had the original Luke. Um, I had a, a Mace Windu's, but I gave it to my nephew for his birthday. And these were the first ones that my Luke and, and, and Obi-Wan, my Luke and Luke's were the originals, the, the, the museum piece. And so they aren't as, you don't want to hit them around and smack them like the new ones can do. My uh, grandson has one and he flips it in the air and drops it all the time and the thing keeps going. No kidding. I've always wondered about that because when I got mine, I was like, well, I wonder how sensitive this thing is. So I see people on YouTube like beating the hell out of these things, like beating them together, having fights. And I was like, I've never been ballsy enough to do it. <laughs> Not that I've ever known anyone else to have one that wants to have a saber battle either. But. Listen to some of those battles too. You can hear those things clacking. Oh, yeah. They're hitting hard. Yeah. And they're just fl- fluorescent bulbs in there, right? I mean, oh, well, actually, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, it's a piece of. It looks like there's paper, and really? as it lights up, the paper carries the light to the top and drops it down. And the problem I found with them is that after a while, they start getting, the paper doesn't carry the light, so you get like these little ringlets going through, so it doesn't look like a solid beam. Oh, crap. that's kind of the reason. Like a party party favor in there? The f- yeah, I'm not sure, but no, the, the paper's always there. If you look at the blade, it's a cylinder with a, a thin piece of some kind of filament in there. Huh. I've never noticed. I'll have to look. That's I don't kind have of, one, so I can't. I'll, you can look at mine. Just, just You can't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Sit from across the room. Put your hands behind your back. <laughs> Sit on your hands. Another, uh, another thing Star Wars franchise related, all the video games... We've mm. had since, what, the mid-70s, late-80s? Or late-70s, excuse me, early-80s? I always get alerts on Steam when new stuff's on sale, and there's always, like, the, the Star Wars packs of, like, 20 games you can get for, like, mm. 50 bucks. Yeah. But they're so dated and blocky, it's hard to play those games anymore. Yeah. Especially yeah. playing on high-def screens. It's not oh, made yeah. for wide format, so everything's <laughs> stretched. Mm. Like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I battle to... fronts looks awesome, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. Yep. We're, we're dreaming for that to come out. When does that come out again? This Christmas. Uh, Christmas? Yeah, it's this Christmas. Fall. They're going to do a um, a bundle for the... I think it's going to come out on PS4 first, right? There's a bundle for it. It's Darth Vader. <laughs> and so it's got custom uh, controllers and everything. I'm, I'm going to get that one. I, it was... Tossing up Metal Gear, Battlefronts, and then Vader won out. My buddy got the... Uh, you're talking the console itself looks like Vader. The console itself, yep. yeah. My buddy uh, got the R2 and C3PO Xbox 360 mm, when they came yeah. out. That was pretty neat. Because, I mean, the Xbox obviously is the same shape. It's just painted to look like him. But yeah. yeah. And then the gold controller. Yeah. Did you guys ever see... Uh, you ever watch Comic Book Man? Any, anyone here? Here and there. there I've was seen a, it a few times. There was an episode where a guy brought in, I don't remember if it was a PlayStation or if it was just a modified Xbox, but he builds actual, like, R2 units, like, life-size units, and or maybe not life-size, I take that back. They're maybe two feet tall that sit on the table, but he modifies an Xbox to where the di- like the disc tray comes out of his chest, and what? it's really That's cool. Sweet. I wonder if I've seen that one, or maybe it was, like, next time on Comic Book Man. And you can, like, uh, put in an order and, like, customize, you know, I want the droid to be black with gold trim, kind of stuff like that. I think they were, like, four or $500 oh, anyway. Yeah, and then there you are, you know, once that console's out of date, like, hey, anyone want to play 360? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so is anybody going to pick up the uh, the drone Millennium Falcon, the new one? No, I, I saw it at the store, but... Uh, 
I would There's break a, the crap out of that right away. <laughs> me too. I'd, it'd slam right into a tree. It'd be like a bad indoor scene. <laughs> Uh, but the guy who uh, is demo- demoing it on YouTube, man, the thing just look the way he's flipping it and making it turn sideways, and it just looks like the Millennium Falcon. Is that right? Wow. I haven't seen this I video. Love that. Yeah, if you go online, you look it up. What's the paint on it look like? Is it like just very simplistic, or does, does it actually look like the Falcon? No, it's 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 got four, okay. I don't know if you remember they did one once before, but it was like a hover and had the big circular. Uh, fin in the center the propeller right well, this one has four little ones so you got more of the look of the falcon it's got a little bit of, of a paint job to it it's not fully detailed but it looks close enough when it's flying in the sky i didn't see if the lights and what would be really cool is they could make the engines light up and you could fly it at oh. night that would be awesome i saw a video that it does have the headlights and then the engine light does light up Oh, that's nice. Does the back of the ship, like where it's the blue strip, like yeah, the, that lights up? That lights up. Yep. And oh. then the two beams right on the front. All you need is sound effects. You can do that with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I want one of those. How much are those going for? Do you know? I don't know. I saw them, but because yeah, got, like, I've seen them. I don't know what the price. Speeder bike one too. Yeah, I believe so. Maybe down the road. <laughs> I'll see it used in a bin at a convention somewhere for five bucks. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what other video games we have here? I'm trying to think. Well, Knights of the Old Republic was a probably one of the biggest Star Wars oh, yeah. games out there. Yeah, I could still yeah. play that one. I have it on my iPhone. Out? Aren't they coming out with a new one? Are they? Uh, I think I so. I, I, uh, the convention that we were at kept showing a lot of Star Wars stuff, and I swear that I saw one of the one of the commercials that they showed was for a new Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, so maybe this is a pointless conversation. But there's um, a new expansion for the the Old Republic um, MMO that's coming out pretty soon. That might have been what it was. Is that one any good? I like it. It, Once it went free to play, it kind of lost it for everybody. Yeah, there's still a lot of people playing. I'm paying right now. Wait, you're paying and it's free? Mm -hmm. You get a lot of perks for paying. Oh, I see. I see. You have to unlock a whole bunch of stuff to be able to get it to. The yeah. free mode, pretty much. Or right. the did you guys did, did you guys play the Knights of the Old Republic, the old RPG? Yeah, I I, I was never big on RPGs, but my roommate at the time had it, and I watched him play RPGs, and I watched him play that game, and it was pretty neat. I yeah, they have it on the, the iPhone right now. What? <laughs> Do they really? Uh, no yeah, they way. got it, and they actually bumped up the resolution and everything. So what? Well, I remember that came out even like on Steam. They re-released them with a the wide wide screen version. The graphics are the same, but. Yeah, it works a little better. Yeah, a lot of people are hacking it already and upgrading the models. One game that I wish they would really update is the old X-wing and Tie Fighter games, the space shooters. Oh yeah, that was those were both fun. Are you talking like the old wireframe? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 not that. Like the '80s one. The '80s one, which had it was fully rendered. Yeah, there's a one at an arcade that you climb in. Yes. And yeah. when, I was going to bring that, that is, one up too. <laughs> when you get in it, I love the lightsaber fight, the the indoor with the the speeder bike. It's very reminiscent of another one. You remember the, the first one they did where you fought Vader? You, it's uh, what do you call it? It's a railed system, so you don't really get to control where you're going. But you could do indoor the battle of the Death Star. Um, so and the then pod racer. They had the pod racer like on yeah. it too. Yeah, and, and then but the controller. 
could turn into a lightsaber because you, you know, that was what really it drew me from a clear yeah. across the arcade i yeah. heard the lightsaber i was like what is that and then you see vader coming up towards you with the red and some little kid is just kicking his butt with the <laughs> lightsaber and i was like oh i gotta play this i go over and i die like in 30 seconds yeah and I was, yeah he killed and he, the, the kid heck out looked of me. up at me and was like okay and he just looked at me and walked off i was like how'd that happen i need to leave you right now <laughs> um, but the new one you're gonna shame I love the the way it tilts and moves with you, man. It just adds to the realism of it. I'll never get that in my house. But it I didn't change. It didn't tilt for us. It like when you'd launch there, you'd get feel a big gust of wind. But then, yeah, the one we played yeah, didn't move. Yeah, this one's on a, a like a, a little bit of a gimbal. Oh um, it's at a, I, it, it's at uh, it was at a what do you call them a Dave and Buster's. That yeah, I yeah that's where we tried it. We had I mean, a cheap that, that's one the one I played too. But that one didn't. Yeah, <laughs> mine didn't tilt. <laughs> But wow. still, it was and, uh, fun with that 180-degree dome around that you can see everywhere. See everything, and then people all standing around you. Yeah. I was really let down, though, that it was like a track game. You're just riding on their, mm-hmm. their ride, shooting shit as it comes by. You know, I was I thought I'd be able to have full control of what I was doing and everything. So I got I got very sick after that game. I was like, oh. Yeah, you missed the trench run the very end. I don't remember what. Is that what I played that level? Yeah. I see. And I missed the final shot. Yep. Yeah. Going back to Legos, I love the Star Wars Lego games. And one thing I thought they got right was the fights, the space fights. I just felt I wished you could do more with them because once you um, took out your Star Destroyers, it would, you know, it jump you, you know, and, and there were still other things you needed to get. Um, and it would kind of guide you where it wanted. You could overshoot it, circle around it and come back and go for it. But that you could never kind of get back to where you wanted Y'all played all of them? I've never played not the Lego the, yeah, ones, not, no. Well, a little bit of the Lego, but not enough to get into space flying around. I played a demo. <laughs> you know, that uh, that MMO, the uh, Republic, actually has that type of space fighting. Because if you miss your mark, you have to go back around and then keep fighting. You remember that, Jack? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that part, of actually, about that game. Because you actually build your ship, and you take it out there. And if you suck, you got to go back and rebuild it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm anxious to see in the new Battlefront if they do what they did in Battlefront 2, which I've talked with you about a lot recently, was the, uh, the, space, the missions. space battles. Yeah, because you know you could choose what side you wanted to be on. You pretty much set up the whole match, but you just start as a, you know, a soldier or uh, whatever side you're on, just on the ship, and you have to run to the ship, the hangar bay, pick what ship you want, climb into it, and take off, and you can go out and you know fly around shooting other you know, enemy crafts down, but you can also, if you so choose, land in the enemy ship's bay, mm-hmm. hop out and fight your way to the uh, controls of the ship, control room of the ship, oh, and just nice. start blowing crap start disabling up. it and stuff. Yeah, take yep. it down from the inside if you're not having much luck on the outside. It was so much fun. So many good games. I've got such a list here, but it would take the whole show to talk about <laughs> all of them, so maybe we'll just save that for another time, because I think we need to wrap this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we need to wrap this one up. <laughs> okay. All right, very cool. Yeah, I was I was looking forward to this. I've been all amped up on Star Wars ever since Friday, so I was excited to have oh, this yeah. conversation. All right, well, with that, let's just jump right into the comic dump bin. Uh, who would like to go first this week? I'll do it. You'll go. You'll do it. Yeah, go first. I didn't bring nothing. Oh, oh, <laughs> that goes my five minutes. Oh, you know, you know, you you're very efficient with your five minutes. Yes, seven I, minutes for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, all right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go next. 
my comic I brought uh, was from that same con that uh, we talked about last week, the Tricon, I think going on like three weeks ago that was here in Columbus, Ohio. And there was a vendor there who was just bleeding their inventory. Tons of long boxes, five comics for a dollar. Mind you, none of these are in boards or anything, but uh, yeah. who cares, you yeah. know? So I grabbed a handful of Fantastic Four books, and the one I uh, read here is number 362 from March of 1992, called the Fan- Just the Fantastic Four. And in this book, it starts with... Uh, Reed in his laboratory and he's kind of standing there with his arms stretched has a weird aura around him and his hand is just going into a piece of wood that he has propped up there and Sue comes in oh what are you doing what are you doing he goes do you realize how much space lies between atoms I found a way to explore that space so like he's putting this hand to this portal which then out the other side comes out within this world which happens to exist between atoms, like so tiny and in- insignificant. What? Yeah. And on this world, there's a war going on, some barbarian-looking figure and all this whole big uh, group of men coming after him. And he sees just this white hand poking out of this portal, kind of feeling around, <laughs> thinks it's some kind of demon, you know. He eventually, when he sees the hand come back through, he grabs onto it and reads, like, what is that? Pulls him back through. So now this guy's in modern New York and... They're trying to capture him to explain to him what's going on. He wasn't itty-bitty? No, he came out full size. Hmm. That's yeah. how it works. Time and space, man. <laughs> I, I, what, what can you say? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I just read it. But uh, in the meantime, while this is going on, uh, Sue comes in with the newspaper going, Have you read the news that uh, Alicia, whatever her name was, the blind girlfriend oh, yeah. of the Ben Grimm? Friend, yeah. She, in this book, she had been going out with Johnny Storm, but had left him to go back to be with Ben. So they're time and hussy. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it, right? <laughs> and uh, so they're all concerned about what Johnny's reaction is going to be to that. Well, Spider-Man makes a guest appearance in this book. He finds out what happened, and he goes, you know, I'm going to track down, track down Johnny. I'm sure he's probably going through some stuff, so uh, maybe he can need a shoulder to lean on or something. So he goes and finds him and just starts antagonizing him, just webbing (laughs) webbing his car up, like just trying to make him mad and gets him mad to the point where he starts, you know, dogfighting around New York until he's blown off all of his steam. At which point they get a warning call from what's happening back at uh, the Baxter building and they go back and get this guy wrestled to submission. And at the end of the comic, it ends with this whole big army of uh, soldiers about to come busting through that portal into New York. So, wow. yeah, being being a single issue, I'm probably not going to find out what, <laughs> what happens unless <laughs> I track down this trade. But it was still a lot of fun. I love comics uh, from the early 90s. So Fantastic Four, number 362. Anyway, who would like to go next? Uh, I can go next, actually. Um, who was this speaking? Jose Fernandez. Jose, let's let's uh, have you go next, sir. All right. Um, all right. So I picked up this really cool comic. Uh, it's called The Threat Reboot. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but to be serious, um, I just wanted to pimp out a little bit. Uh, one of the comics that I'm really liking right now. Um, uh, this is for just older comics or just any comics? Anything. Anything. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, have you guys read Rumble at all? No. Mm-mm. Rumble. Okay, so this book is actually by uh, John Arcudi. Uh, he's the writer for BPRD, or used to. I think he just stopped uh, writing for them. But um, and the art is by James Heron. Um, but I definitely think you guys should check that one out because I've been having a blast with that. That and uh, New Fifty Two Batman are pretty much the only two books I collect every month. 
just because uh, I'm poor and broke. But um, I mean, I, I'm loving them. No, they're they're great. The Batman uh, you're talking about is that the uh, uh, Scott uh, Snyder? Scott Snyder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, a that one, good run. I, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mostly collect it because of Greg Capullo, because he's one of my favorite artists. But for for sure, Rumble I think is one of the greatest books out there right now, and uh, it needs to get really get out there. Yeah, I'm anxious to look into it. Mm-hmm. Who's that by? Uh, that is by Image. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Image. No. <laughs> <laughs> is it new? I think they're on issue six now. So yeah, it's oh. pretty new. Um, they they have the trade paperback for the first five issues, the first arc. So I mean, as you know, with Image, they have their trade paperbacks for like ten bucks, like the first uh, trade paperback. Right. So I think it's worth the, you know to check oh, it out yeah. for ten bucks. You know, was uh, Southern Bastards that was an Image, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes, I used to collect that one as well too. Really yeah. good book. Really really yeah, good. Yeah, very good. I think they're doing a show on it now. What? What? Hey. Yeah, it's in the process already. Oh, oh boy! Yeah, Sounds like AMC. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get another idea from a comic book. <laughs> Very cool. And that's pretty much it for my uh, my end. <laughs> awesome. So Rumble, I'm gonna look that up. Mm-hmm. Now, is this was that one of those titles? Like I know with Image's releases, sometimes like you'll get an issue, and then like three months later, you'll get your issue too. A lot of those uh, titles aren't religious with their with their uh, release date. This one is pretty consistent. They had the first five issues uh, coming out monthly, uh, like uh, regular books. But then after the fifth issue, they just took a small break for like two months. And they, but in between that break, they released a trade paperback. So they kind of gave you that, and then they just continue right now with the uh, issue six. So they're pretty. It's pretty uh, consistent. Okay, cool. I'll be looking into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. We have Jose there. All right. So. Uh... Yeah, we got four left. Who would like to go? I'll go. <laughs> Who's this? This is Jack. <laughs> I got from the, what was that, Tricon, the five for a buck. I found a the Scarlet Spider Unlimited, the Ooh. Tomb of Cain. Oh, boy. I bet that was good. It was all right. I was hoping to find out more about Cain because I don't know a lot about him. Turns out he really wasn't in it the whole book. This this is uh, Ben Riley is the uh, Scarlet Spider probably yes. right yep. yeah yeah he's well it's one of the clones uh-huh. yeah. oh yeah <laughs> one of the many yeah if you really want to find out about Kane I would suggest picking up the uh, Clone War saga and then the uh, the what was it uh, not spectacular but they they renamed the book. Oh, and, uh, uh, sensational, or I think it might have been sensational. That might have been it because there was a bunch of footnotes in there talking about that one. I don't remember. I know what he's talking about, though. And so yeah. you had Ben Riley thinking he was a real Spider-Man, Spider-Man thinking he was a clone, and you had Kane yeah. running around the city as well. And they do a lot of background on Kane there. This yeah. one, he he knows he's Ben, and Kane is in some kind of uh, like cryogenic chamber in a, a warehouse. And it turns out the Jackal is trying to... He's trying to figure out how to, to make more clones, I think, it, the, it ends up going in the story. Okay. And you find out that there was this whole animal world, I can't remember the name of it, that this all sparked from. That the Jackal was actually an animal that they were doing genetic testing on. He ended up becoming kind of humanoid. Then the scientists were actually going to make more humans that were like zombies. They were mind-controlled. It was, <laughs> it was really confusing... But uh, I didn't know that the clones weren't from, uh, they, they weren't just grown. It was some dude 
some guy that actually they injected him with the cloning serum or something like that, and he ended up turning into Peter Parker. Same with Gwen Stacy. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was weird. So they've they've written Professor Warren out out of it now. He, he's not the the guy who was in love with Gwen Stacy and and cloned her and Peter. They kind of went that. into they, he was in it. They kind of went into a little bit of him getting married, and then the Jack ended up killing his his family and he made Gwen, but they didn't really go into him being in love with her or anything like that. It was more just the fact that he, he actually did make clones and this whole animal world was mad because they thought he was actually working to make the animal people into humans, but he was actually trying to make humans, humans people. more like mind controlled zombies for his own thing. Isn't that always the way? Wow. And at the very end, Kane was gone. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wow. pretty cool. What year was that? Oh, oh I see mall rats in the back. <laughs> Fox, 95? 95. Yep. It, it was around that same time that I uh, was getting into Spider-Man. And I, whether it was the sensational or spectacular Spider-Man, I don't remember. But uh, during that whole period where Peter Parker you know, thought he wasn't the real Spider-Man and Ben Riley was thinking, I'm the real Spider-Man, uh, the Onslaught event happened. And the Sentinels came to New York, and there was a there was an issue where Ben was helping Peter get home, and he took off one of his web shooters and gave it to Peter, and the two of them were fighting Sentinels, and oh man, what? <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. The teamwork they had together. I wish there was uh, two of them more often. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. Cool. All right, so we have Mark, Vince, and William left. Who's next? I'm gonna start calling names here. <laughs> I'm actually looking looking one up right now, so because I read a kind of indie comic here recently that I want to give a little credit to. So okay, I'm just looking up the book. So give me a minute. Okay, and this this was who? Yeah, that was Mark. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> How about Vince? Is Vince ready? Um, I haven't read. <laughs> I've been going back rereading issues, um, and then I've been reading a lot of the the Dick Grayson stuff from the New Fifty Two. Oh, there you go. And trying to f- go back and catch up on Flash and Aquaman. I just those are my f- three favorite uh, books in the New Fifty Two universe. I just I love what they're doing with them. Um, the, the the I guess for me, Aquaman is my one of the most underrated characters, but one of the most powerful characters in yep. the, the the DC universe. And so the the work that's being done on that comic is kind of really giving him his due. I mean, we haven't. It was Peter David who wrote the the, the second series, right, where he lost his hand, lost his arm, became a barbarian. I don't remember. I want to say yeah. But that was my favorite Aquaman because he could go toe to toe with Superman and and he went toe to toe with everybody and came out on top and you started seeing him get a little bit of respect and then they killed him in World War 3. He came back during the um, the the darkest hour was resurrected in the uh, the brightest day. And then they didn't know what to do with him. They just don't seem to be able to find a writer to put on him to, to, to expand on the character and exploit his strengths. They always look at his weaknesses, which just makes the character unviable. But the uh, the stuff that's happening in the New 52 with him, I, I just love. But it's all backdated because I'm just buying the, the trades to get caught up. Right. Do you have a book? Yeah. 
I do have one book I'll give a, a quick shout out to. It's from a, a, a gentleman that we met at Comic Palooza. He's from Australia. He doesn't get to come to the States very often. And it's called XCT. I think it is. Um, Mark, do you remember what the what that stood for? Uh, Extreme Championship Tournament. Right. And it's about Spartacus. Thanks, Mark. It's about Spartacus, which I love. Uh, the issue zero, which talks about and takes you through what the last part of Spartacus' life and his death. And then pops you all of a sudden into the future where great warriors are being cloned and used in televised gladiatorial events to the death. People are paying, you know, millions of dollars betting on this and it's watched in these giant jumbotron things or anywhere you are and you make bets on who's going to survive. When they die, you just reclone them and they've come back and fight the next week or whenever their next bout. <laughs> wow. What happens when you bring Spartacus who has a history of not dying very easy and he doesn't like being a slave? So they bring him, clone him, and they put him in these events, and then all of a sudden they realize they've made a mistake because he starts doing what he did back in the past. He tells the other gladiators, "You can. there's more to this. You can fight for your freedom. Um, and then so they start throwing new technology at him and more uh, technological uh, enemies, and he keeps overcoming it every time. Now, I've only read Zero. I've looked at the stuff he had for his Kickstarter for one. And what I understand is he has one and two out, and we're waiting for them to um, be delivered to us if they ever get shipped so that we can sell them here for him in the States. And I, it's a fantastic comic. Just can't get a hold of the next ones. So right. I'm just waiting patiently for those to come in. What uh, comic label does do they work under? Um, I think it's, uh, their- it's it's comic it's comic to movies is the label that they're using right now. Okay, never heard of them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it might be if comics. If it yeah, was, yeah. No, they're, they're they're a small press. They're doing the same thing that Stratum Comics pretty much is. Is they're just publishing small press stuff that they've done um, right now. So the artwork is fantastic. Also, Sweet. I think yeah. the the artist is Jerry Gaylord, right? Uh, that I'm not sure. I don't have one of the books in front of me, so I'm not positive. And it's E-T-C-E-C-T? X-C-T. X-C-T. All right. Then there were two. There's Mark and William. Who would like to go next? All right. So I'll go next. So the book that I'm going to kind of cover is uh, called Crime in Space. It's um, uh, by a gentleman by the name of C. Raymond. Uh, That's C-E-E. He wrote and drew the art, drew everything for it. Um, It's basically a... Mm -hmm space crime series uh the the kind of preview issue is called fool's briefcase and you can actually find that online at crime and space dot, uh, dot blogspot dot com okay. um and this guy roy riot who's kind of just this bumbling kind of an idiot um and his robot who is named uh craig and he, Craig seems to have a, he's a, he's a robot, but he seems to have a Tourette syndrome because all of a sudden he <laughs> starts blurting out curse words. But he's really the brains behind the whole operation, even though uh, Roy's the front man of it. And it's, it's just kind of a really cool uh, take on, on that whole crime syndicate kind of thing in space. Um, the artwork for right now is is mostly black and white with shades of with tones of different colors. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's 
I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just a pretty, pretty interesting uh, a read. Crime in space. Is that a is that an image one as well? Uh, it is not image. It is just there. I don't. You know what? Let me jump back up to the beginning of the book. It says ominous sofa fresh concentrate productions. <laughs> that is definitely a new one. Yeah. Oh them. Yeah. Come so, on, yeah, Jeff. But but like I said, crime crime in and it's just the letter in space dot blogspot dot com is where you can read the the teaser comic for it. Boy, I'm glad there's a free preview. I'm going to be spending a lot of money if I buy all these. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> all right, Mark, you can't hide forever. Nope, that, was, that was Mark. Just oh, snap. <laughs> all right, William, you can't hide forever. <laughs> I think he hung up. And, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm going to have to echo the beginning, and I didn't really bring anything. Um, but I'll use this time to mention my favorite comic ever, that I'm sure everyone knows of, but maybe not read themselves, uh, which is The Crow. The, so, uh, the, the Crow? Yeah, yeah, The Crow. I've never even heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, The Crow's like a visceral love poem of revenge and murder. Really powerful book, got me into comics in the first place, which is pretty something that spawned the films that I'm sure everybody knows of as well and they're trying to remake it at the moment which I'm torn about oh wait you said The Crow yeah The Crow oh, oh I'm sitting true, yeah. yeah I did too I, I'm just like <laughs> wait a minute maybe he said The Crow and if I said I haven't heard of The Crow boy am I going to sound stupid <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so sorry on, just blame it on the Scottish accent <laughs> I, I love the Scottish <laughs> accent I'm loving it I'm sorry continue Oh, no, I was done. Uh, okay, The Crow. I'll have to remember that. Didn't yeah. IDW uh, have a crow run, or did, did they like have a crow meets something else like they I always do? I want to say they had something going on with I feel them. like I remember yeah. seeing The Crow on the IDW wall at one point, or maybe Dark Horse. I have seen that they are trying to reboot it, too, which they just leave, need to leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think anything's been... Like, I've, I've read several of the other kind of arcs that they've done since that first one and I just nothing's been as good as that first arc. Uh, now are you talking you're talking movies or are you talking books, comics? I'm I'm talking books. Books. Okay, yeah, I've never read Out of the comics. I, the the series that the, you know the arcs that they've written for it since that first one just none of them have really compared. Yeah, I agree. Now how how far back does that date the uh, the original books? Ooh, it was in 89, I'm pretty sure. Was it a book before a movie? Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah, the film came out in 94. Uh, the book was released in 89. Hmm. And then there were like two or three films, right? Yeah. And uh, four? I think, I think, I think, I think there, there were four of them. Oh, wow. Jeez. It wasn't the last, yeah. was yeah, it? last the... one. was uh, Edward Furlong played them. What? Yeah, and cool. David Boreanaz was um, the villain. <laughs> Is this like straight to DVD release kind of a movie? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They also they also managed to get Dennis Hopper in there. What? What? Yeah, he played some kind of cult leader that knew how to turn David Boreanaz into the devil or something like that. 
That was just to get more ratings for Star Power, I think. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, how did I please, miss Please, Mr. Hopper, but, please. Oh, yeah, straight to DVD. <laughs> and uh, also Tara Reid, so that also oh, like, speaks to the quality. <laughs> you know, of Sharknado <laughs> fame. <Yeah. laughs> Tara Reid, man. She, in American Pie, though, she uh, she was a heartthrob, right? Yeah, yeah. Those days are long gone. <laughs> wasn't she in American Beauty, too? No. No, that Who was, was that? Uh, Thora Birch, and it was the other girl from this American Pie movie, the girl that was seeing Oz. I don't remember. Uh, she was just on uh, uh, Celebrity Home Game, whatever that TV show was. Yeah, they were in the same movie together. Both blonde, long hair, they looked similar, yeah. I know Mina Suvari, about, Mina Suvari, that's her name. That's it? Yeah. There you go. Can I plug in one more thing real quick? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I wanted to plug in a webcomic that it's absolutely amazing, and uh, I really think you guys should check it out. It's called Space Bullet. Space Not sure. Bullets. Now that kind of sounds familiar. Space-mullet.com. Oh, like mullets. Yes, yeah, like the hairdo. <laughs> okay, yeah, his that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> his, his accent kind of messed up. <laughs> right. yeah, space mullets. mullets. What's space mullets even about? I mean, is it just very self-explanatory? Mullets in space! <laughs> uh, well, I think that's the reason why everybody starts reading it, because they want to see some mullets. But um, <laughs> no, but really, it's actually, uh, it has a lot of drama in it, and um, the story's absolutely amazing. It uh, if the the guy uh, the, who draws it and writes it, his name is Daniel Warren Johnson, and um, he started drawing it, I guess, to kind of get better at comics. And so at first, I mean, the art even from the beginning is great, but you kind of see his progress. You just get better and better and better throughout the whole thing. And he's been doing this web comic for about two to three years now. So uh, there's a, a, a lot of content on it, and it's for free. You know, you can just check it out for free. And he's, I think he's still going to continue doing it for free. And so he has like six chapters in there. And oh, wow. he, he just started doing some uh, published, like some stuff for uh, Dark Horse. He did a comic called Ghost Fleet. So uh, the guy is good. I mean, he, he's a great artist. The story is really, really great. Um, Look at that. It, that it, is beautiful. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Jack just pulled it up. We're just type, <laughs> taking a glance at it while you're talking. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, the artist is really great because he leaves it like black and white, but he does like subtle shades of blue. Yeah. Just to kind of add uh, more depth to it. And I guess that's for speed purposes, but it kind of gives it a cool aesthetic as well. So. Yeah, you don't see that too often. So this actually carries a serious tone, I mean, despite the name being kind of funny. Yeah, and it'll have, you know, a little humor, uh, a little bit of humor in there every now and then. But, I mean, he is... He, the, the cool thing about the story is that unlike regular comics that are published every month, he takes his time in the story. So instead of taking 20 pages and just cramming everything in those 20 pages, he kind of gets to take the graphic novel route where you can have those quiet moments where you have you know characters talking and kind of develop characters and so that kind of gives uh, the story more oomph to it whenever like a, something bad happens to a character or somebody passes away or something you know so it's just really really great I, I mean whenever I started reading it I was reading it at work 
whenever I should I should have been working, <laughs> and I, I was just like looking over my shoulder all the time, making sure nobody saw me reading it. But um, it was great. I couldn't stop reading it. <laughs> you know, I got uh, I got caught today at work reading the threat. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I, did. I did. I got well, away with it. If you're gonna get caught doing anything, that's something to get caught for. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Lots of good comics. Hopefully, we uh, inspired someone to go out there and pick up one of these awesome titles. Yeah. And I'm gonna go look for some. Yeah. They'll find mine pretty easy. Mollus in space. <laughs> I just got pigs in space now. In yeah. <laughs> well, since we are running long, we're just going to skip uh, Real World Hero for the week. We'll save that for next week, and we're just going to cut right over to all you guys and talk about uh, the reboot of the threat. Thanks again for being with us today, guys. Now it was all the way back on an issue, I think, or excuse me, episode 14, was it? I think it was 14. That, yeah, I think you guys were maybe like the second or third book that we uh, ever looked at and reviewed when we were still finding our ground for the show. So I want to thank you guys for uh, being patient with us and allowing us to do that at the time. It it was awesome. Yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, so when we heard there was a reboot, I was kind of curious and... Tell, tell, well, let's just start here. First, tell the listeners who aren't familiar with the threat a little bit about the threat. So the threat is basically, um, uh, you know, it, it's one, like, if you look at what all the different possibilities that are for um, what our future is going to turn into, this is one of kind of those routes that we uh, decided to take. The uh, There's, you know, obviously we're running low on resources. Water is running low. Food is hard to get. And and as we go along through our story, those issues kind of grow, and that ends up causing a disease that nobody can cure, and it's starting to wipe out large amounts of the population. Um, that in, in turn causes the economic resources of all of the governments around the world to start having issues. And the resolution to that is that corporations start coming in and they start buying different areas, uh, different cities. Uh, the, the company that we made up for taking over Houston is Anatech, but Cisco might run you know, LA and Apple might run New York. And, and so these just different corporations have stepped in and started taking control. Um, to cure the disease, there's a there's a guy that's running that ends up running Anatech. He um, cures the disease, but what ends up happening is there's a side effect that he starts playing with more and more. Uh, that what it does is it ends up recombining DNA that we have in our system that our system just doesn't really really utilize at all because it's animal DNA or plant DNA or insect DNA, things that we've collected over, you know, all of the years of humanity. Um, And these things start basically grasping on to our DNA because of that cure. Uh, And what ends up happening is we get uh, more and more mutations starting to occur. Uh, Some of those mutations end up, you know, killing whoever it's mutating just because of the, the way that mutation is occurring. Um, some of those mutations are just causing normal mutations that we see nowadays that are just occurring more often. Um, but some of those end up being something that's a viable, uh, it works in the person, they're, they're able to f- figure out how to live life with that particular mutation that they end up coming across. Um, so we, we kept all of the 
those mutations as natural as possible, something that you would see in uh, nature already. Uh, the best example that we always give is that one of our characters, his name is Kevin, um, he has the ability to grow a callus all over his body. Yeah. Um, and that's just the natural ability that we already have. And it's taken to a hyper extensive level of being able to make it come when he wants to. Uh, and it's super strong, it's bulletproof. Uh, it can protect him to a certain extent against uh, extreme temperatures. Um, and it's just that that hyper extension. So the story arc that we're right now telling is the beginning, the the entrance to this world. We ex in the first issue we kind of explain uh, what all's going on, and we kind of keep doing that a little bit uh, through each issue. Um, but it's basically there's a gentleman by the name of Nathan who's trying to figure out what's going on, and he goes to. Uh, Michael Swage, who's the guy who came up with the cure, and talks to him a little bit about it. And then from there, it just gets life there. These guys' lives get crazy after that point. Uh, we obviously don't want to spill the beans about everything that happens in the series because we want people to pick up the book. But um, that's that's kind of uh, what the threat is about. <laughs> yeah, a very good uh, book it was. Yeah. Thanks again for sending us copies of it. Yeah, no problem. But I'm just I'm dying to know why uh, why did you guys decide to reboot the series? Well, what we for the first four issues we ended up having different artists on all four of the different issues, so the art was uh, very very different. You know, not necessarily bad, but just different between each issue, sure. and. You know, we've got eight issues coming. That's going to be a decent amount of books for a trade, uh, even splitting them up into four issue, you know, two volumes. Um, and and having the different artwork we felt would uh, maybe distract a little bit from the story that we're trying to tell. So that was the primary reason we decided to do a reboot. Um, Jose decided to come on board. He's going to do all eight of the issues for us. William's back with the coloring and we just love his coloring. That's the reason we brought him back. So we felt that we were, we had a solid team that's agreed to do all eight issues now. And we're going to just go back and retell those first four, first four books. Um, because of that, we are able to then add some content to it. Um, the first issue that we originally came out with was only 23 pages at the time we were new. We were not sure of what we were going to do exactly. And as we grew, we realized that we had more story to tell than we really were putting into the book already. Mm -hmm. So this also gave us that capability to go back and add five pages to the original issue. Sorry, Jose. I was going to say, we were constrained. We were, we're trying to cost constrained how many pages we were going to be able to do in the book. So we had to take out stuff that we really liked and wanted to be in the story, but we we didn't have the space for it. And we did that with one and two. When we got to issue three, we we decided to let the story itself dictate how many pages, how big the book was going to be. Um, and that for me, going back and redoing one, because we started off as a black and white, we went to color. In the color one, we fixed some of the um, time jump problems we were having that were confusing uh, some of the audience. And so when we decided we were going to do it again, it was, you know, we had to have other other 
reasons to do it uh, other than bringing on new artists. One of the big thing was being able to go back in and tell the the story as it was originally written and adding some of those elements back in. That was a big one for me. But Mark had said that we're going to go back and redo the others. I want to make sure that the audience who hears this knows that we're going to be doing the next issue we're doing is five. And as we can go back and do, we'll do two. But we want to keep the story going and get it completed. And then we can go back and finish the reworking the uh, two, yeah. three. and Yeah. Right. And then, Jose, you had something to say, too, I think. Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to say that one of the other reasons I I believe that, well, a good reason for you guys to kind of go back and do the reboot is uh, the first issue, the second, third, and fourth, uh, they're not bad issues at all. I mean, they're, they're still really good books. Absolutely. Um, but but the, Mark and Vince, as they were going, you know, after issue after issue, I'm sure you guys kind of saw the progress that they've been oh, yeah. kind of, they've been getting better at writing. Mark has been mu- getting much better at lettering because he does the lettering on these books. So this issue kind of shows you them at top at their top of their game you know and if anything now i'm actually the newbie so um but william also has been getting better as a colorist and i just think that right now we're able to tell the story better than we ever could um i mean that i think that's kind of worth it to kind of uh do the reboot alone you know Absolutely. Yeah, I was. I had both issues, uh, the original issue one, and then the one you guys sent us side by side today. And I was just going through page by page. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you could see some uh, boxes that looked uh, similar, but like you said, you definitely uh, can tell there's more to the story now, which uh, definitely helps. The yeah. the time jumping was definitely a lot easier. Yeah. This yeah. Because I remember getting a little confused and having to look back back and forth. Right from the original, Jeff was he was yeah. on at that original time, buddy. He he was stuck right with those time changes. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> and I'm not saying that the uh, first four were bad by any stretch no. of the imagination. No, great, great books. But one thing I noticed in comparing the both of issue one, uh, both issue ones, was that the new one looks a lot uh, brighter mm-hmm. for one, and uh, two, like what you see in each panel. They seem to be more like uh, cinematic angles than the first yeah. one was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that shot toward the end when the, uh, I don't want to say too much, but the guy uh, shoots off into the air to fly. Like he looks like he's almost flying straight out of the panel, mm-hmm. like at you. It looked really cool. <laughs> That's cool. And the great thing about this is <laughs> the great thing about that is that this is this, this is really Jose's first attempt at a an actual comic book. Um, no you know, kidding. he's been doing. Yeah, he's been doing pinups and, and other things, and he's done some sequentials before, but this is his first published comic book. So coming into it at the level that he's coming into it, I think that he's got a the potential to have a huge future in this industry. Um, oh, yeah, no yeah, doubt about it. Beyond what we're doing, so... We just hope it happens after we get all of the books done. <laughs> <laughs> so how far down the road do you see this all going then, this, uh, the threat reboot? Well, we're definitely, we're definitely going to finish eight issues. Um, I don't remember last time we might have said that there was going to be ten, but now we've decided to just cut it down to eight. We're just going to do, the, the, do eight issues in this particular arc. 
right now, our plan is is that we are going to go back and, f and finish five, six, seven, and eight. Hopefully, eight will be done by the end of next year, and then we'll jump back onto two, three, and four. Once we get those done, um, you know, Vince and I have plans for other stories, and what we're kind of planning on doing is making them um, little jumping arcs, like, uh, you know, it won't be a monthly book, it won't be a quarterly book, we'll uh, put these eight issues out, and then a few months later, we'll decide, hey, we're going to do another five issues now, and it'll start over at number one, and it'll be just a different subtitle for that uh, volume of the uh, the book. I see. Can't wait to read more of these, see uh, how the stories change from the original time we read it. Now, you guys had mentioned you uh, frequent cons. Do you have any appearances lined up in your future? We actually have three that are definitely lined up and one that's a possibility. So right now, next this coming weekend, we were just at a show this past weekend, uh, which was Amazing Houston Comic Con. Uh, next weekend, we're going to be in San Antonio at Alamo City Comic Con. And then the following weekend, there's a another show put on by the same people who put on Comic Palooza. It's called Houston Fanfare. Uh, so we basically got three shows in three weeks. Oh man! And then next month, there's a Brazos STX Con. Jose, is that right? Yes, uh, uh, Brazos Valley, I believe. Uh, in, yeah, Brazos um, Valley STX. Um, College Station. But yeah. It's and it's so we're Bryan. gonna be a guest at that show. Yeah, it's it's in Bryan College Station here in Texas. Wow! So you guys keep really busy. Busy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every year we have this uh, marathon of cons <laughs> we try to hit. Sure. And then we space them out because after you do four in a row, you're just exhausted and spent. I can't even so, imagine four weekends in a row. Mm -mm, yeah. My God. I so know how we, I feel after going to, like, last year after Cincinnati, I had a blast, don't get me yeah. wrong. And I think we were there most of the day, but afterwards mm -hmm. I was like, I'm good for a year, you know? <laughs> so I can't imagine, you know, being actually working there, being there all three days, yeah. Four, yeah. three, four weeks in a row. Man, my hat goes off to you guys. If Mark had his way, we'd be at every one of them, but we'd never get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how you get your name out there. Yep. Sir. Yep. So you got your uh, Kickstarter going till September 26, and it looks like you guys are pretty darn close to your goal, right? About yeah, we're bucks shy. Not even. Yeah, we're about 400 bucks shy. We're we're a little less than 400 bucks shy. Yeah, and we've got 19 or something days left in the in the project. So, and we've got some great rewards out there. We've even got some stuff that I don't think anybody's ever seen before. Uh, the new thing that we have are these frosted mugs. Oh, with I saw those. The uh, the two characters that are on our cover, um, uh, Givens and Kevin, fighting, and then the threat logo on on the mug. So, and they're they're not you know they're not they're big heavy glass mugs. They're not plastic. Um, you know what you kind of would imagine would come out of something like this would be just a plastic um, mug, but these are good solid glass mugs. They they're very great, durable. Yeah. They they they're really. Wash for well like in a dishwasher. Um, I know that there have been other mugs that people have done, but they kind of reverse it where they keep the f characters frosted and everything else is clear. What we've done right. here is it's frosted and the characters themselves come through. So they, it really works. If you've got like an, uh, if you want to set it or put it on something that like a display that lights up from underneath, it, it really draws that light up through it and it stands out. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, kind of like a negative image of them fighting. Yeah. Very cool. Another uh, thing I saw on your guys' uh, reward list there was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like it was uh, issues of the threat done with like classic-looking covers. Like there was one that looked like a Silver Age Fantastic Four and uh, another one that looked like even older Marvel or DC. <laughs> they looked Can awesome. I take yeah, those are... What we did was we did... Sorry, Vince, for interrupting you. Um, we uh, We did some throwback covers, and basically they're just prints. We didn't put them as covers on the book, but... Um, we did, I know we did Fantastic Four number one. And then what else did we do, Vince? We did Doctor Strange um, for Marla. We did a Flash cover for Wendy. We were working on a Firestorm cover, which would have been for Enigma. Um, we uh, had worked on a, we were getting, in our list was a Singe cover where oh, he man. is confronting uh, Swage in his office burning through the wall and that was a cover from the old uh human torch the android not the uh right not the current yes and then for givens we had picked out one of i believe it's straczynski uh nick fury covers where it was all white nick is on the front you've got all the heads of uh vanessa um and all his other old howling commando guys and but it was all psychedelic we never got around to finishing those because we didn't sell as many of the prints as we'd hoped. But we got the idea of putting them on T-shirts. And we the first one we ever oh, did wow. was the Fantastic Four one. I would love to get one of those. I'll have to cross your path sometime or even just support the Kickstarter. Yep. Um, those boy. shirts are available on the Kickstarter, too. So <laughs> there we go. I can get a shirt right now. <laughs> Sweet. And again, running till the 26th. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much, uh, all of you, again, for being on the show with us. Mark, Vince, Jose, and William, thanks so much. Oh, I'm going to pimp out one other thing. If you if you are listening and you're going to be at the Alamo City Comic Con this weekend, we do have an exclusive uh, Alamo cover. We're, we're only going to have 25 Ooh. of them available. So if you're going to be there, you should come by our booth and pick it up. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Now, and, uh, we, we're going to put links to your Kickstarter. Yeah on our website along with the link to Stratum Comics so we can help direct people your way. And are you guys on Twitter now? We are on Twitter. It's at Stratum Comics. At Stratum Comics. Okay, there you go. And then Facebook. We've got two Facebook pages, one for Stratum Comics and then one for the Threat Comic series. Yeah. Well, there you are, people. Many, uh, many avenues to check out uh, the reboot of the Threat. We strongly recommend it. So thanks a lot, guys. And like I said, we'll put the links on the website. Jack, what else we have on there? The show blog. You can read up on our guests, see who they are and who we've been talking to. Uh, some videos, photos, the Candare comic book store. And am I missing anything? Uh, the Wall of Heroes. There you go. Wall of Heroes. Yep. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at Candare Pod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And on YouTube, we have our YouTube channel up. We have a bunch of unboxing videos, what, three or four G.I. Joe PSAs with yeah. the Candare Touch yeah. put on them. We need to make more of those, get yeah. more of those out. Uh, anything else, guys? That's it for this week. I'm tapped out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all that reading you did. I was just going to say, it's all that reading you did to worry out. <laughs> all right, well, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. Jeff Holcomb. All right, this is Jose Fernandez, William Anderson, and Vince Shooter, and Mark Schmidt. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Joey, why don't you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall? But I don't wanna. What are you, chicken? Hold on there, boys. Wow, it's Flint. Instead of writing your name, write CandairPodcast.com and help spread the word. Well, that's a great idea. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ooh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. 